Luke chapter 5, verse 1. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. Somebody's still got to wake up this morning. <laughs> Getting used to it, but it's all right. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. We'll begin there. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen. Somebody say fishermen. It says they were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, somebody say Master, says, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And, uh, and they came, filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. Somebody say, Lord. He says, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Before you're seated, shake about three or four people's hands. Tell them, go fish. Then you may be seated. I have learned this. And over the years, about church, in particular, a Pentecostal church. I've learned that a Pentecostal church should be a soul-winning church. A church that believes in evangelism. Somebody say evangelism. In other words, it's not just good enough to have great worship services, to see great miracles, to come and get healed. Many of you have gotten healed over the years. I've seen spines get healed. I've seen arms grow out. I've seen legs grow limbs. I've seen many different people who could not walk begin to walk. And I want to tell you something. Those are powerful, powerful works of God. Powerful, wonderful works of God. But I have learned this. If we live on the wonderful works of God and just sit there, then we're not a Pentecostal church. In other words, just because we have the wonderful works happen here, if we don't go out there, then really what we are is we're just a bunch of people that assemble together. And we just come together and we watch movies, shake hands. Oh, that's a nice dress. I love your tie. Hey, that's pretty cool. Man, that was a great song. I love that song. But we're missing the mission of what God has called us to do. See, I believe that you and I, we are all called to be fishers of men. Somebody say, fishers of men. In the first part of the message we learned, uh, even last week, we saw these men that were fishing for fish. But what they were is they were not full-time disciples yet. They just had a casual relationship. Somebody say, casual. 
many times, many people, especially in the day and age of the church of today, we take the church of today of a casual Christianity. In other words, as long as I come to church, I'm good. I'm good. Listen, my friend, you can take that as you want, but I've learned one thing. As I study this scripture more and more, the closer I get to God, the closer uh, of his heart that I grab a hold of. And the heart of God is the people. The heart of God is the people. See, God has called us to worship him, and because so many people don't want to worship him in spirit and in truth, it is our job to go out there on the mission and hear and uh, excuse me, and give the people the good news so that they can hear the call of God. See, the, the men, what, what they were doing here is they were fishing on the banks of the shore. They were cleaning their nets, and they were hearing God. They were in the presence, but they were not taking in the presence. They were right there on the banks of the shore hearing the word of God, but they were not taking in what God was doing, what, what God wanted to do within their life. They were in a casual place. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Curry Blake said, if your gospel isn't touching others, it has not touched you. See, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a good news for you and for others. And for others. Listen, I want to challenge us here this morning, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, that we do not become victory in reach. There's a time and a place for victory in reach. In other words, when you first come into church and you first come and be a part, then, hey, I am your hotel concierge. What can I do for you? Do you need me to make your bed? I'll make your bed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You need fresh towels? Here's a fresh towel. How's everything going? What do you need? Hey, let me get you along. You don't know how to tie yet? Let me teach you how to tie. Let's do this. But after a while, this church does not stay a hotel for you. You got to learn. You got to make your own bed. You got to learn how to give tithes and offerings. Oh, man, and offerings? Yeah, and offerings. You got to start learning these things. You got to get involved. You got to get connected. See, far too often we come to church and say, okay, everyone needs to serve me. Actually, we're here to serve others. That's why we are here. See, what Jesus was doing with these men is he wanted to take the relationship from just the banks to the deep. He wanted them to go out into the deep. Far too often they were in the shallow. Some of us here this morning, you might be in the shallow. You want to get deep? Then it's time to save souls. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to save souls. See, after preaching this word, Jesus asked Peter a crazy request. He asked him to take the boat out into the deep water to go fish again. Now, we talked about this last week, that this was a strange request because Peter was an expert fisherman. And so here is a teacher of the law, a rabbi, who's walking out there, and he's saying, look, I'm not a professional fisherman, but you need to take heed to my word. Listen to me here this morning. Some of you, you may be a professional in your area. You may be a professional this or professional that, construction worker, whatever it might be. But I'm here to tell you, if you will listen and obey the word of God, he will take care of all your needs. He will take care of all you. That's what he was trying to share here with Peter. He was saying, listen, listen to my word. I know what I'm talking about. It may not look like it, but don't look at the outside. I've got something greater for you on the inside. It was a crazy request. He was taking Peter, who was already a crazy man. Peter, when we learned the life of Peter, Peter already was a crazy man. But here is Jesus giving him a crazy request. My friend, if God gives you a crazy call, if I were you, I would answer it. I would answer it. 
because God knows what he's doing within your life. Now, here we see in this story, we see Peter now hearing the, the voice of God, and he says the word master. Somebody say master. But after he listens to the word, you read it there in verse 8, it changes. At the very beginning, when he sees Jesus, he says, Master, we haven't caught anything. But then after he gets the reward, after he gets the catch, it changes into Lord. Somebody say, Lord. Now, this is significant because as a master, he is a leader. He's just a leader. He's not Peter's leader. He's just a leader. But all of a sudden, when the catch happens, all of a sudden, he becomes his personal leader. See, far too often, many people, they come to church and they say, God, I want you to do this. In the meantime, God is saying, I want you to do this. Can you forgive her? Can you forgive him? Can you let go of this? Can you let go of that? Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But God, I need this, and God, I need that. And all of a sudden, you know what the scripture says? It says, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? See, far too often we say, God, he is my master. He is my everything. Is he really your everything? Are you really taking heed to the word of God? When is the last time you really took heed to the word of God? I always use this one. I love this one. When's the last time you forgave the unforgivable? In other words, forgiving that person for doing wrong to you, canceling the debt, even though they hurt you. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. You don't know what they did to me. You're absolutely right. I have no idea. I'm not here to get your idea. I'm here to give you God's idea. God's idea works best. When's the last time you forgave her? When's the last time you forgave him? You know what I've learned? And, you know, family gives us the deepest hurts. You know that? Family gives us the deepest hurts. You know, friends, friends come, friends go. All right. Yeah, you're my friend. You're not my friend anymore. You know, we just kind of take them as a, you know, it's almost like we, in this society today, everything is Facebook. You're my friend. You're not my friend. I unfriend you. I don't want to talk to you. Unfriend, unfollow, block. But you know the people you can't unfriend, you can't block, you can't unfollow? It's your family. Oh, man, family. Pastor, you don't know what she did to me. I know she's my sister, but man, I'm going to sock her if I see her. You don't know my brother, man. He just, oh, my brother. He's just, my brother, my brother. Oh, my brother. I, I know it kind of hurts, but I'm telling you, if you will learn to do what the Lord says, he will give you a great reward. See, this is what Christ was doing right away with Peter. He was trying to tell him, look, I know what I'm talking about. I know you may not think I'm an expert in your life, but trust me, I'm an expert not just in your life, but in everyone's life around you. If you will just take heed to what the word of the Lord is saying. And I'm telling you here this morning, God has been speaking to many of you, but are you taking heed to the word of the Lord? That's what he was doing here with Peter. He said, Peter, listen to me. I know you've been doing this all day. I know you've been doing it on your own. I know you've been doing it on your own strength. But if you will take heed to my word, I'm going to take you places that you've never been before. You're going to see things that you've never seen before. You're going to go places. You're going to obtain things that you've never had before. If you will just listen to my word my word is alive and it's well and it is for your benefit and everyone else's take heed somebody say take heed see this was a very rare catch that they've never had anything like this but the only difference now was that they obeyed the words 
of Jesus. See, obeying Christ's words brings supernatural results. Obeying Christ's word brings supernatural results. Even the human effort here with Peter could not contain the blessings of God within his life nor within our lives. This was a fisherman's dream come true. You know, let me ask you this question. Before Christ went up and ascended into heaven, didn't he ask us? He said, go and make disciples. He said, you should go and you should do that. Isn't that the word of the Lord? Now, in other words, it wasn't the great suggestion. It was the great commission. Like, oh, man, that's a good idea, man. That's a great idea. I should try that one day. No, you should try it every day. You should do it every day. It's not a suggestion. See, far too often, I think many churches, they, they give it like it's a suggestion. Like, this is just a good idea. You should try and go win a soul. If you can't do it, I understand. No, I don't understand. It's not just an idea. This is a God-given command. See, I think far too often we miss the opportunity because we think it's the word of the pastor. It's not the word of the pastor. It's not the word of the church. We're not trying to get more people into this church so that we can have a bigger church. We're trying to get more people into here because this is the net so that we can take more people into heaven. The more people in here, the less people in hell. That's the way I want to see it. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. So I need to be the best fisherman that I can be, and so do you. Look at your neighbor and say, so do you. See, we shouldn't be afraid. This is what he was telling Peter. Don't be afraid. Go out into the deep waters and let down your nets. Make disciples. Make disciples. Is it possible that there would be such a catch even for Peter that it would be a shock to him and even be a shock to us? See, some of you here this morning, you say, well, I can't do that. Listen to me, my friend. Peter was shocked at the word of God. I believe that you're going to be shocked at the word of God. The things that you can do even without a microphone. Even without a microphone. Oh, you know what? I'm going to call pastor. Maybe he can witness to my friend. He can witness to my family. Actually, God put you in that family on purpose for a purpose. And you got to do your best to be a witness to them. Listen, we'll be a witness as best as we can. But God has called you to be a witness. God has empowered you to be a fisherman. Somebody say, be a fisherman. I shared last week that only 5% in the research, only 5% of the church of today is winning souls. Imagine this. The other, imagine if the other 95% were to say, you know what? It's time for me to be a fisherman. Now, we're so many people already getting saved with just the 5%. Can you imagine if it went up to a tithe of 10%? If just 10%, 11%, if 15% of the church would just start winning souls, ooh, Hayward would be flipped upside down. I want to flip Hayward upside down. I want to flip Hayward upside down. I want to flip Hayward upside down. We need to flip the Bay Area upside down. I heard this quote by C.T. Stead. He said, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. When I heard that, I said, ooh, my gosh, we need more studs like that. 
We need more men that say, hey, you know what? I'll go wherever I got to go. And even if I got to go just a yard from hell, that's where I'm going to go. Men and women that are willing to go into the darkest of dark places. Just the other day, we had a, our code red. And we went over there into that place at Centennial Hall, right? And that building. And they were throwing boulders at people. They were throwing boulders at some of you guys, right? You guys were out there late night, 1 o'clock in the morning. And there's those, uh, those men and women. You know, out of their minds, many of them were out of their minds. They had lost their minds. So much drug addiction, so many drugs they had put in their body. And when we came in to share the light, what does the darkness do the first time? The darkness tries to put out the light. That's their job. But you know what our job is? Our job is not to retreat. Our job is to bring in and say, listen, I know you're going through hell, but I'm right here with you, and I'm willing to take you out. We got some men. We got some women. We got some soldiers that are ready to fish for men, even in the deepest of waters even in the deepest of waters. And I want to challenge some of you because I know a lot of times you wait for the church to go as a whole, and sometimes we will go, and we'll grab the whole church. Okay, guys, let's go to the Tenderloin. Okay, guys, let's go out here to the, uh, on International in Oakland, and we go together as a church, and we do it periodically. We do it actually a lot, even every Saturday. We do it here in Hayward, but we'll go out to different places all over the Bay Area. I would challenge you, don't wait for the church to go fishing. Don't wait for us to go fishing. You go fishing on your own. Look at your neighbor and say, go fish. The second thing we also see here with Peter is that he had a convicting revelation. Something immediately happens to Peter. He understands clearly that this was no accident, but that this was the power of Christ's word. Suddenly, he was quite aware of himself as nothing more than a fisherman with the wrong priorities. See, my friend, when we get close to Christ and experience his heart, our heart is moved to humility. A real change comes over Peter. No more does he call him master, but now he is his Lord. Somebody say, Lord. The huge catch of fish no longer occupies Peter's mind. Only Jesus Christ does. Instead of his heart being set on the catch, his heart is convicted of sin. Even though they were shocked at their huge catch, they are more taken with the person of Christ at this very moment. See, I've learned this, my friend. Christ will forever change the focus of your life. If you listen to the voice of God and you see the supernatural results, it will change your life forever. It will change your life. See, the reason why many men and women that are still here faithfully is because when they saw the catch of God, they stood here and they no longer focus on the catch, but they focus on the Christ. They focused on the Christ. See, here this morning, I want to challenge you. Don't focus on the catch. Focus on Christ. Watch what God will do with your life when you change your focus. Tell your neighbor, change your focus. See, their thoughts went from fishing to Jesus. Their thought went... Their thoughts went from their own priorities to a brand new passion. See, nobody changes the human heart more than Christ. Somehow fishing was not the same anymore within their minds. Even with the biggest catch of their careers, Jesus changed everything. I've learned this even throughout the years. When Christ came into my life, I saw things differently. I've shared before about how even myself, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't want to be like my family. My family was drug addicts. My family was gang members in and out of prison. That was not my idea uh, of being a successful man in the neighborhood. Actually, my way of success was playing sports. 
But I want to tell you something. When Christ came into my life, my whole perspective of sports changed. Even the way I saw baseball change, I was a very avid, and still to this day, many people think I'm fanatic. Actually, if you think I'm a fanatic now, you should have saw me way back when. I love the Giants. You know, I'm, I'm wearing a Giants tie, right? I love sports. But my church knows now I have no problem whatsoever dropping sports and going for Christ. Sports is like, oh, that's nothing. Going after money, that's nothing. See, that was my passion. I wanted to make, and I was ready to sign million-dollar contract. I was ready for that. That's what I thought was going to be success. If I can make it in the big leagues, if I can pitch on the mound, if I can go out there, this is what I was thinking. If I could pitch on the mound, if I could do that, I'll, I'll, buy, I'll buy my dad a church. That's all I thought. I'll buy my dad a church. Yeah, right? You know, come on. That's, that's a, you know, that sounds pretty honorable, right? That's honorable, right? That's a good thing. I mean, I go to church. It's not a big deal. You know, I'll, I'll go to church here and there. But, you know, God knows my heart. He knows. He understands. But it wasn't until that one day when actually I was pursuing sports. I was doing really good. I was doing really great. I was actually getting scouted by the Phillies and the Astros. Great things were happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, snapped my ankle. And I'll never forget on the bedside that night after coming back from the hospital, and I was sitting right there on the side of my bed, and I was crying out to God, and I was asking God, God, why would you do this? Why would you do, why? this didn't make any sense to me. I thought you wanted me to buy my church a church. That makes sense. And God was saying, that makes sense to you. It's your priority, but that's not mine. And if I got to break your ankles to do it, then I'll break it. I'll do whatever I got to do. And that's what happened with me. And all of a sudden, when that switch happened within my life, I saw Christ differently. And because I saw Christ differently, I saw sports and everything else differently. I didn't start putting priorities in my life the way that I thought. I put the main priority on top and everything else fell into place. See, this is what I've learned because I know a lot of people go, God first, family second, this third, that fourth, this, and you have the priorities. You know what I've learned? Because many times we do that and we say, God first, but all of a sudden we'll go, yeah, God first, but, you know, family, you know, right now. No, nah, you know, not family right now. Money first right now, but God understands. I want you to know something. God needs to be first and stay first, and then everything else is second. Everything else is second. Everything else takes second place. But the priorities that we may have is not the priorities that God may want for your life. Some of you right here, right now, I want to do this for God. I want to do that. Are you sure it's a God-given idea? Are you sure it's a God? You need to make sure because if it's not fishing for men, I don't know if it's a God-given idea. It may be a nice idea, but is it a God-given idea? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So if you ain't fishing... You ain't following. It's a part of the discipleship process. God had to break my ankles to do it. What did God have to do within your life? Where did God have to put it within your life? This is what God had to do within Peter's life. He had to take Peter right there where he was at, getting his nets, and he had to break his nets. He had to break them wide open. Now, he, brought them, he broke them with a great reward, but nevertheless, he broke the nets for Peter's life. So all of a sudden... A great, a crazy request comes into now a commitment request. Somebody say commitment. 
Jesus' first words to them right here after that, he tells them, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. The Greek word here literally means stop being fearful. In other words, there was already some existing fear of knowing that man. I've heard about this man, so if I follow this man, is everything going to be in alignment? Is he going to take care of everything that I need? Because I got a lot of needs. And so what is he telling me? Saying, look, I know you may not, you may have some fear, but right here, right now, don't be afraid. I got you. Everything will be taken. Oh, but what about my, I got you. Okay, but God, I need that. I got you. You're taken care of. Look at your neighbor and tell him just like this. Say, I got you. No, see, some of you looked at your neighbor and just said, I got you. No, you didn't. You got to tell, tell them in the word. We're, we're basically changing the do not be afraid into the uh, Hebrew hood translation, okay? And so Jesus, uh, this is the way I think Jesus, you know, told them after they realized, because you got to remember, Peter was on his knees crying, Lord, get away from me, I'm a sinner. He says, do not be afraid. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell them, like, you're, you're being a little Jesus right now. You're a little Christ. You're a little, little C, all right? You're the little C. You're being a little, look at them in the Hebrew hood translation and tell them, I got you. So the next time somebody in your household starts getting all crazy, but what about this? Well, we got to take care of this. How's this going to happen? But the car and, you know, we got the, the kids and their clothes and what do we do about the college and what about this? You just tell them, say, look, I got you. Uh, but, but you don't understand. But you, I got you. Okay, but I have to. That's what was happening here with Peter. Peter, all of a sudden, but my fish, I gotta, I'm a fisherman, I gotta, I got you. But I gotta make a living, mother, the rest of my family, we gotta, I got you. Don't be afraid. You were fishing for fish, now you're gonna fish for men. You know what I love about this portion of scripture? Is that all of a sudden, Jesus captures their heart. Why? Because in fishing for fish, you fish for something that is alive to catch it and to kill it. It's supposed to die. That's the purpose of being a fisherman. All of a sudden, now here comes Jesus and he says, look, you were a fisher of things to catch it and to kill it. Now I want you to catch things and keep it alive. I want you to bring life where there's death. That's the kind of fisherman I want you to be. Listen to me, Victory Outreach. That is our purpose. That is our call, to go into places where there's death and to bring life. Even though everyone else around is saying, man, they're hopeless. Man, they're no good. Let's just put them in jail. They're just washed up. Nobody wants them. Just put them to the side. God says, no, I need Peters. I need Victory Outreach to go in and bring life where there's death. Death. That's the kind of fisherman that God has called us to be, to bring life. Somebody say life. Somebody say life. See, Jesus was asking a commitment for these men. First, to stop being afraid. Somebody say, I got you. Then and secondly, he says to fish for souls. See, my friend, witnessing won't destroy your career or even take away anything from making ends meet. 
But what Christ was doing here, he was saying, come and follow me and I will take care of you. See, what would happen if we, if we were dedicated in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in every boat that we sat in? Listen, my friend, we all have different careers, but we all have the same call. We all have different careers, every single one of us. Some of us, we got some electricians in the house. We've got construction workers. We've got computer techs. We've got uh, men who, who build boxes. We've got men who ship boxes. We've got men who stack boxes. We've got men who just point at boxes and say, put that over there. We've got a lot of different you know, facets of life here within. We've got a lot of different careers in the heart of the Bay. We've got a lot. The Bay Area is a melting pot of cultures and careers. But listen to me. I want to make this very clear. And with this, I close. We all have different careers, but we have the same call. We have the same call. That's where we have the foundation that's the same. I want to make that very clear. Because far too often we think, well, he's a pastor. He could do it. She's a pastor's wife. They're, they're a leader. They could do it. No, my friend. When it comes to being a fisher of men, the call is the same. The call is the same. We have different careers, but we all have the same call. Notice this, and I close with this one. Notice that as soon as these guys get to the shore with the largest haul of fish in their entire careers, they simply walk away from the catch. They leave everything behind, even at the height of their success, by even fishermen's standards, they still leave it behind. Why? Because a new passion had taken a hold of their life. This passion will require a great commitment to walk away from what the world would have considered as success. I honestly don't know where I would be had Christ not come into my life. And I say that because I had a mixture of calls before Christ came into my life. And when I say mixture, I say a mixture of this. He can come to the piano. I share my testimony a little bit about how I wanted to be a baseball player. I'm going to sign. However, I had drug addict families. This is what I've learned about baseball players, professional baseball players. There's a lot of professional baseball, basketball, football players that become drug addicts. I can almost, 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 almost guarantee, had Christ not come into my life, I probably would have become a professional baseball drug addict. Could have. Not saying it would have, but I could have. Why? Because that was a curse of my family. That was a curse. Nobody had been successful. I wanted to be the first one. Nobody had been successful in the world standards, nobody had made millions. I had good men and women. I still have good aunts and uncles and cousins in my family. They're doing great jobs. And they, they're being successful by the world standards. But all of a sudden, we see these men here probably having the biggest catch of their life. Could have been. It was so big, they had to call in their partners. I don't know how to handle this thing. So on human effort, they needed other human strength. But God says, listen, if you will follow me, I'm going to give you a supernatural strength that I'm going to give to you personally. And you are going to be able to go out into all the world preaching 
doing things you've never done before. I, I don't know what would have happened within my life had my ankle not gotten broken. I really don't know. I really don't. Even the funny thing was that even after my ankle broke, I still pursued baseball. I was still doing it. I wasn't the same, though. My, my legs were not the same. They were just never the same. And one thing I've learned about scouts is that once scouts hear that you tore a tendon, you broke an ankle, you twisted your arm, at a young age, they don't want anything to do with you. You're done. They, they want somebody young and healthy. I was young. I just wasn't healthy. I don't know what would have happened. I could have gotten to the success maybe of what the world would have said. Hey, Stefan, you made it. You made it. That's what happened here with Peter. Peter, see all those fish? That's the biggest catch we've ever seen in our life. Never seen anything like that. You made it. You made it. What does Peter do? He brings the net. He puts it on the shore, and he says, I didn't make that. He made that. My success was never even came from me. It came from God in the first place. See, he recognized where true success comes from. Listen to me here, Victory Outreach Heart. I pray, that's my prayer, that we get plenty of men and women in this place that become successful, but not successful according to the world, successful according to God. Because if it's successful according to God, you have no problem leaving the catch. You have no problem with it. I say that because there's a lot of different men and women that you're going to see over there in our 50 years that we're going to be celebrating. There's different men and women that are in our ministry that were successful in the heights of their career. Different, we have lawyers, we have different, uh, I know of even one off the top of my head, a NASA tech, guy that worked for NASA, left it, left it. It's cool. Making good, good, good. Making a lot of vacation checks that weren't vacation. Well, I mean, good money, really good money. He left it all to be a missionary. I don't need it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and, let, and yet lose his own soul? What, what does it profit a man or a woman to catch all these fish, break all your nets, but lose Christ? What does it profit him? You can do it. You can obtain it all you want, but you're still going to be empty inside. Your net may be full, but your heart will be void. And this is what Peter realized. He said, man, I know it's going to take a commitment, but I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do whatever Christ asks me to do. I'm willing to go wherever Christ asks me to go. I'm really to sit, willing to say whatever Christ asks me to say. Some of the things, some of the words may be difficult. I know God's been speaking to you. We're, we're coming into our world conference, and God's been speaking to many of you these past couple of weeks, these past couple of months, and they've been difficult words. God has been speaking to you. You're like, man, that's a, I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't, that's a lot, God. I, listen to me. If I were you, I would obey the voice of God. I would obey the word of God. Now, I want to make this very clear. I know this is not a message on this, but on hearing the voice of God, if the voice of God does not align up with the word of God, it probably not, may not be the voice of God. It's got to line up with the word of God. Line it up with the word of God. If it lines up with the word of God, then my friend, you better take heed to that, that call, whatever it is. Whatever the call of God is that's been speaking to you. See, some of you, you've been waking up late in the midnight hour, and you've been thinking, ah, oh, it's insomnia. It's not insomnia. It's God trying to speak to you. I don't understand. Why am I restless? It's not that you're restless. It's God's trying to speak to you. Samuel, Samuel, who's, who's talking to me? Who is that? Peter, Peter. Uh, our master, what? what? 
Look at, I don't think you understand. I'm a professional at this. I know what I'm doing. But Peter gets a revelation. He says, okay, because you say so. I don't see the strategy. I don't see the plan. I don't see how this is going to work. I don't know how my mom's going to get saved. I have no idea how my dad, uh, my dad never listens to me. So all of a sudden he's supposed to listen to me now? I guess so. I guess I'm supposed to go talk to him. Yes, go talk to him. Go talk to your dad. Talk to your mom. Talk to your neighbor. My neighbor's an atheist. They don't want to listen to God. Okay, I'm telling you, if God told you to do it, then you need to do it. Being a fisherman, it's a hard process. Sometimes you stink like fish. You don't like the smell. I don't want to do that. It's hard work. I want to, I want to be on my lunch break. I just want to chill. See, some of you, you forgot your lunch, and you're thinking, ah, I forgot my lunch. What do I do now? You know what you're supposed to do? Go fish. There's a co-worker sitting there. He's lonely. He's depressed. He needs a word. Hurting inside. See, many of us think, well, I just, I guess I just forgot my lunch, or how did I end up here? Have you ever been, done that before? Walked into a room and go, why did I come here? Why did this happen? Why did I do this? Sometimes it's my mistake, and sometimes it's on a purpose mistake. God knows what he's doing. He's putting you in the fisherman position. He's getting you into a place where, man, I guess I'm supposed to talk to somebody here. I guess I'm supposed to. I'm going to close with this. Yesterday, I was at a wedding. And I was there, I did, did a wedding for a, a good couple. They've been coming to our church every now and then, real close to my, my wife. So I did, did the wedding. And I'm, as I'm preparing for the wedding, I, I go up to the DJ. He's, he's got the music going there. It's an outdoor wedding. And he's got one speaker I could hear. I go, hey, that's pretty good music. I like that wedding music. I do a lot of weddings, so the, the music kind of took to my ear. Hey, I like that. That's really good. The, the orchestra was orchestra music, really good. I went over and talked to the guy. Hey, how you doing? He goes, hey, are, are, are you the, the priest? I go, I'm the priest. That's me. I go, I'm going to be, you know, officiating here. He goes, oh, okay, cool. He goes, oh, what's your name? I got to talking to him. And I go, yeah, you know, well, I do this every Sunday, so I should get used to it. He goes, you do it every Sunday? He goes, yeah. I go, I'm, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, what are you a pastor? I go, in Hayward. He goes, really? I go, yeah, you ever heard of it? He goes, I live in Hayward. I go, Really? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, where's your church? I go, it's on B Street. He goes, really? I go, yeah, you know where B Street is? He goes, yeah. I go, where do you live? He goes, on B Street. I go, really? Wow. And you know what I told him? I go, you know what? I think I came here to this wedding just for you. And he starts like, oh, man, oh, go on. oh, stop. I go, no, I'm serious. I came here just for you. And I just want you to know that, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus Christ has a plan for you. He's like, man, he's all, you know what's crazy? He's all, man, this is crazy, man. And then, you know, he starts saying some other words that I can't repeat over the microphone. He's like, man, this is, this is crazy, man. He goes, my, my uncle's a preacher. My aunt's a preacher. My dad goes to church. And now here you are. I go, here I am. I go, that's God talking to you, bro. He's like, yeah. yeah I know, man. All right, well, you know. And, it, you know, just start talking with him, start rapping with him. But, man, I was like, I was feeling that line. Those of you that have ever fished before, you ever felt that line? 
I feel that tug. I'm like, man, I'm feeling that line right now. I go, well, I'm feeling this right here, bro. Come on. So I was talking with him. Just start talking with him. Just start talking with him. Sat down with him again. We met again at another point in time in the ceremony. Talked to him again. I was like, man, he's like, all right, all right. I get the picture. I get the picture. So I got his number. He got mine. And I'm going to keep casting that line to this young man. And you know what he is? He's a professional sound engineer. He's a sound engineer. That's what he does. Just letting you know, Aldrin. Amen. He went to school for it and everything. Graduated from college in San Francisco. Got his degree. Real young man. And you know what's funny is I told him, I go, yeah, we have a 1 o'clock service. I love this, man. I go, yeah, we have a 1 o'clock service. He goes, you do? He's like, man, that's what I'm talking about. He's like, I ain't feeling that 9 a.m. stuff. You know what I mean? I go, I know what you mean, bruh. I know what you mean. He said, I think I'm going to check it out. I think I'm going to check it out. I said, all right, man. I'm going to be praying for you. Had I just went there, I'm just here to do a wedding. That's it. I just want to do a wedding. I need to get in. I got to get out. I got things to do. I got, hey, cool. That's cool, bro. Just make sure you got the music. You know, you got the wedding. All right. I don't even know you. All right. Whatever, bro. I could have easily done that. I'm here for a wedding. That's why I'm here. But God says, no. I brought you here on behalf of a wedding, but you're here for him. See, some of you, you go to your job every day. I'm here to go to my job, and I, gotta do, I just got to get paid. I got to get a check. I got to do the check. As long as I do the check, I get the pay. I got to do this. That's, that's what I'm here. No, no. You go to work on behalf of getting the finances that you need for your necessity, but you're there for someone. I don't know who it is. You know who it is. It might be your boss. Some of you have depressed bosses. Your boss is depressed. You know because how they talk to you. Just do this. And you look at them like, man, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It's actually not the wrong side of the bed. They just woken up on the wrong side of life. They're depressed and they're hurting. Maybe some of them might be going through divorce. Maybe some of them are going through their children. They, they don't want nothing to do with them anymore. Maybe they're going bankrupt. They, they don't have any more money. I don't know. You're the fisherman. You're the one that's got to, okay, come on. I know you go to work. But when you go to work, make sure to take your net. You got to catch some fish. You got to catch some fish. And some fish take longer than others. Some take longer than others. If you're a fisherman, you know that you got them small fish. Hey, I'm good. Then you got them big fish. Oh, man. It takes hours. It doesn't take hours. It takes hours to catch. Like, man, it takes forever. Some of you might take a, a long time. We all have different careers, but we have the same call. Bow your heads with me.